Hey everyone, this is episode eight of the Top Soul Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Top Soul Podcast, back at the Soul Nation World Headquarters. We got our special guest here today, Ryan. Um, <laughs> my name is Mitchell Hora. Um, my company's Continuum Ag. Ryan's my agronomist and joined again with Trent Stout with Stout Seeds. Continuing our conversation here today about regenerative ag, sustainable ag, developing a market um, to fill a consumer demand and um, continuing on through this journey. So if you haven't listened to this week's episodes, make sure you go and listen to those first they're going, it's a continuation kind of deal leading into today. We're looking at how does everything tie together from soil health to crop health, animal health, human health, and even on the environmental mm-hmm. standpoint as well. How does it all tie together as farmers? How do we fit into that? How can we start working on these things now if we aren't working that on them already and prepare for markets that are coming even faster than what we thought and maybe we can help to drive the sustainably sourced market, the regenerative ag market by going direct to consumer. What do you think about that there, Trent? (laughs) Well, um, you know, my big thing is obviously direct marketing. Um, But I think uh, we've been talking a lot and trying to build a foundation for the regenerative ag market over the past couple of days and maybe for that label. But I think today just kind of want to talk about labels in general and whether there's value in labels right and what do those labels mean i mean when we look at uh and there was a good article we'll put it on our twitter page for you guys to read but uh just all the problems surrounding the organic label that's happened over the past couple of years and we talked yesterday a little bit about the importing of organic to meet the needs of that urban consumer because we can't produce enough domestically to meet our own needs so we have to import this and whenever we do that we always have issues and problems some gray area that opens sure. up in the foreign a foreign imported we don't have yeah. control over every aspect maybe. yeah and part of that's because there's so much to gain from these large brands that control the organic market there's so much to gain for them in doing things non-kosher right because there's, there's a lot of money because there's a lot of money to be made and so you know the organic uh was it president or sort of you know supervisor whoever it was of that label had to step down right after an audit came out about how they basically were doing this they were faking there was a ton of product that was coming into the organic market that wasn't actually organically grown right and this is because it's coming from overseas and and if you talk to organic farmers this is something that there's a lot of gray matter that exists in the organic certification world yeah and so this is not something that's new and and they've been calling and they they recognize this you know they've been calling for new standards and trying to you know a new label or whatever it may be um but the, my question is, is how do we set up a sustainably, if we do go down the sustainably sourced avenue, how do we set up a system that isn't, you know, faked? How do we, right. how is it a system that can't be beat? Can you produce that type of system? And really, to be honest with you, I don't, I was just talking with these guys here before the show a little bit is I don't know if 
we should we put too much value in these labels anyways maybe you know in the world of technology where the internet has essentially changed the game right uh, social media has changed the game about everything um do farmers need to now maybe this is my call to action for the week but you know farmers need to brand themselves why do we need to go to a third party to market our goods for us. Yeah. You know, I think that the, with the internet, you can do so much um, from a marketing perspective to where a consumer could get on a platform, whatever that platform looks like, and say, I believe Joe Farmer. I believe in what he's trying to do. I believe in his practices and the way that he's raising food. And ultimately, I will pay him X because that's the type of food that I want to consume. Right. And it doesn't matter whether it's organic, non-organic, sustainably sourced, whatever. It's the, They're creating the story around themselves. It can be the complete opposite. It's just, hey, yeah. I have a relationship with this farmer. Yeah. I know that the farmer's doing a good job and taking care of, of their land. And, hey, I want to support you. Right. So yeah. I'm going to buy your product. Rather than supporting the organic system, you're supporting a farm. The farmer direct. Exactly. Yeah, the practice, But that can even right? be in conventional, though, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's going direct to, hey, I want to buy your product versus this other person because I know you. I see you. Um, I believe in what you're trying to do. I think you're going, doing a good job. And, hey, I support that. Well, farmers well, are we've got to be able to tell that story first. Farmers are essentially small business owners. Right. Well, and yeah. we've been we've seen this movement in the small business world for the last decade. You know, buy local, shop local. For sure. You know, trying to support uh, the small entrepreneur versus, you know, the big brand corporation. So my right. question is, is why doesn't um, any farmer create her own cereal and, and figure out a way to market it from her from her farm right. to the consumer through an internet platform versus going to General Mills and trying to trying to strike a deal for them to control her brand you know right. which mean, is like, so small that wouldn't yeah. then have any real power and go to a huge company like that but if you were selling direct to 50 individual people yeah, now you could. Yeah, and you can make a really, and you can make a decent living doing it for sure. Rather than being, you know, a slave to whatever that that commodity market's going to be, that you know, G, you know, GM's going to give you or whatever it may be. But maybe we're getting a little off the topic here. But I think, but that it it's all very important. You know, yeah. I think it's the future. Yeah, mm-hmm. that this sustainable ag, regenerative ag. I think why it's moving so fast is because these giant companies realize that these farmers can go just direct to the consumer and they're trying to drive this. There's a lot of companies, more and more coming in, like on our Facebook page shared something that I'm Patagonia is getting into this and everything that companies from all over the world. So trying to say, drive this regenerative ag sustainably source, get on the bandwagon. So it's moving quickly because people can go direct to consumer. So I think that's where we are right now that, okay, how do we get some of that going but we're in Southeast Iowa, Washington County, where it's mostly corn and soybeans. There's a lot of hogs, though. So the the pork could definitely be kind of that's a final finished product, you know, that could be directed, uh, marketed directly. But corn and soybeans, I don't know. Can, does that really fit or what else? What else has to happen? I mean, I think it's about what the infrastructure is on the farm, whether you're willing to put in that type of infrastructure. Can you sell everything that you go to the grocery store to buy? I know this is going to be really revelationary. You know, this is going to blow people's minds that are listening, but everything you go to the grocery store to buy, you can essentially make on your farm. 
Right. Yeah. It's got to come from somewhere. Right. Somebody like, I mean, it's made with raw goods. So, so there's not a market for the corn and soybean but individually, it's but product products. Of, yeah, the byproducts. Right. Why not? Yeah. Why couldn't you mill your own flour? I mean, I'm not saying that that, I'm just saying that using flour as an example here, but, you know, this is stuff that our great grandparents used to do. Right. You know what I mean? Like this is this is not revolutionary stuff. No. Like we can do that. Now, granted, you have there are, you know, government agencies and inspections and stuff when you start selling things that you're gonna have to jump through some hoops. Right. But it's more you can do that. I mean, right. it is possible for you to do this. Yeah. So I think that that's that's tremendous. I, I honestly think, you know, my wife, and we were talking about this before. You know, is big into Etsy, right? Like Etsy is an online, you know, you make beaded necklaces in your basement, you know, and you can go to Etsy and create a shop and sell them. And people from all around the world go on to Etsy to buy that. Why in the world can't that happen in agriculture? Sure. The Internet's a game changer. It's changed. I think that we look at how we always try to fit these pieces into our system. But I think the, because of the internet and because of where technology is headed, our system is an, antiquated. Like it's the current infrastructure system will not exist. Hmm. Now that's crazy. So there you go. There's right. a loony yeah. bin comment from today. But <laughs> I honestly think that it'll, it'll, it, if you would have told me that Amazon would be where, where it is today 10 years ago. You know, I mean, well, I wouldn't yeah, have believed was, that, but Amazon's a, it's going to take over the world. It's it's literally on the verge of putting Walmart out of business. Right. I mean, that's crazy, right? Yeah, like 10 yeah, years yeah. ago, you would have said that's absolutely insane. Right. But the fact that, you know, they're on two-hour shipping now, is it two or four-hour shipping? In some places, yeah. Inside metro areas. You can literally order something and get it within four hours. I mean, you think that that time order frame yeah, is, not, is not going to get... Everywhere. Smaller and smaller and oh, smaller. Yeah. I mean, they just once they figure that infrastructure piece oh, out, yeah. like you will literally be able to go on Amazon and order something and get it delivered faster than I can get a pizza delivered in Washington, Iowa <laughs> yeah. today. That's insane. Yeah. You know what I mean? You tell me we can't if we can't use that infrastructure somehow, right? To, to market market raw food. goods from the food, from the farm, right? Yeah. Do we think that you can do that at scale? I don't know why you wouldn't. Millions of bu- millions of bushels. I of think. Corn and stuff I out. think what's hurt agriculture is the fact that we always this push for scale. Right. You know what I mean? It's always got to get bigger, bigger, bigger. Really, honestly, what we need to be looking at is margins and profitability, and not. Well, but on the farm, even, even if I could sell five or ten percent of my corn or soybeans through a market kind of like this, well, that would still be good. I think the market, the international market, will always exist. Oh, the yeah. problem yeah. with. The markets currently is that, I mean, look at when we had all that rain down in Missouri, what, three, four years ago, where they, like the whole Missouri and south of there didn't even get a crop in. And everybody thought, oh, boy, this is great. This is going to really bump our markets. And it didn't even do anything. Yeah. You know, because it's such a global marketing. Right. So that commodity market will always exist. You'll always have that that pressure relief if for right. oversupply. But yeah. the key is, is how do I have enterprises on my farm that are creating direct Profit margins, right. right? Like direct market profit margins. So maybe that's what we got to kind of clarify here too. That the current system is still going to exist because we still have sure. at least it to an extent. It's going to sure. change. It's going to continue to change. But there's still that global market all over the place. We're talking about very cutting edge, leading people who say, "I want to be more profitable. I want to get into something new right. and improve my operation." 
this is where you can go is what we're talking about with regenerative ag stacking your enterprises and going direct to consumer because there's more of a profit margin there. Sure. I mean, the consumer buys, look at t-shirts. You brought up Patagonia earlier. I mean, this is a small t-shirt company out of Colorado that literally was marketing organic cotton t-shirts and it's blown up. Oh, huge. And you got to look at the, this is not, they're not an isolated case. This happens all over the United States where companies get into these markets and they say, I'm not going to sell a, I'm not going to resort to selling five dollar T-shirts yeah. and compete with these national uh, world brands and that are have huge scale. Like so they can. You know, I'm not going to compete against Hefty. Yeah. I'm going to find a niche here yeah. that the urban consumer is driving, and I'm going to fill it, and I'm going to make money doing it. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, find what the consumer wants. Produce it. Pretty simple economic supply and demand. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. Going back to labeling, because that's kind of been our theme all week here. I don't know if long-term labels are going to be where it's at. I think labels fit into an antiquated system in which these big brands can sell that story for you. Yeah. But I think if we would actually move that system to a direct marketing system uh, economy, you would actually just... Decide for yourself what's the way that you want to produce things that makes things sustainable for your farm. Right. Um, however that is, whatever that practice is, and you would market yourself and people will choose. The market will respond. A consumer will say, I like what you're doing. I want to buy an organic cotton T-shirt for 10 times the price of a regular cotton T-shirt. Yeah, because I believe because in Because I believe in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have millions of people say yes to that. No. You just have to have enough say yes to it to where you can make a living. You right. know, and I think that's a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. So where does that, do we get into right now? Okay, what are some of the steps of how can we do that? Like, I mean, I don't I don't know because we're talking it's, about it. It's so. probably not one single answer. It's no, there's definitely each, not a single each answer. Each farm is going to be different location, who I you're think, selling to. I mean, I think the more that we allow the national brands to control this, the more con- corrupted it can become. You know what I mean? Like, what'd you say? Give us your statistic on the wheat. Oh, well, G- General Mills just bought Annie's. Yeah. They did not have enough organic wheat to, f- to make their to mac and cheese. Need, yeah. So they went and purchased 36,000 acres in South Dakota. Right. To, to produce, produce, to produce wheat for themselves. For, for themselves. Right. To, to transition to, to organic so that they can produce it themselves. Yeah. So. Which is exactly direct marketing, except for it's on a huge scale. Yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah. now the farmer. Yeah. They're yeah. outsourcing the actual practice of the farming, but they own the. You're saying they own the ground. Yeah. 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 To to get the grain to throw it through a marketing funnel to sell it out as mac and cheese. Yeah. This is what I'm talking. About. Huge. Yeah. But why do we have to scale. allow? Why do we have to sit on our thumbs and allow General Mills to figure it out and right. push us out as local farmers? Yeah. When we can do it right now, we have all the tools there to be able to make that change. The, you know, Christy Nichols she said that we can we our mind creates our own constraints you right. know what i mean yeah. i think that as farmers we fall into that too yeah. often. Well, that's definitely the thing here that i can i can just hear people at home you know like man that's tough that's like how do we do that because it's we're in one system and we've been in the system for so long mm-hmm. that man this is a lot of change and that's what i see as a farmer it's like how do i do this how do i go i've got ground to do this on what do I do? Do I have to build a mill? Do I have to get livestock on there? I don't know. Or can I use my neighbors who have livestock? 
what, what I think the first step is saying yes. Yeah. The first step is like make taking the initiative and just doing. You know what I mean? Like there are there are what's the worst case scenario? You always have the ability to market You're back it for where you are right now. For yeah, now. right where you are now. You don't start with um, you know, I talk a little bit about, you know, our, we direct market in, in our family farm with melons and sweet corn and tomatoes, but you know, all we did was start with an excess of sweet corn. Oh, like we we had more sweet corn than we it was just a good year for sweet corn so we said let's like a normal farmer let's put it in the back of the pickup truck and start selling it right and then that evolved we let the consumer tell us what they wanted yeah and and then you know then you start bringing in tomatoes and you start bringing in such and such and such and that, and you know that's a, that's a nice little business that we can in, integrate into our current practices yeah. so. Yep. That's where it starts. It starts right. with a yes. It starts with a do, an action, and then you allow the market to kind of dictate that flow for you. Yeah. So now it's go do. Go do. Uh, yeah. I, but I think we're getting a little bit off of like the actual, maybe this is good. The yeah. standard part of this, I just think when it comes to standards, standards are are good yeah. in that they allow us a ability to separate things and put well, things into categories it's essentially the standards are coming these big companies are going to do this as well I it's just, either you can go with what the big companies are doing and yeah. you can sell it to them through their standards yeah. and fit the criteria or you can go parallel with what they're doing and go direct to the consumer yourself if you have the ability to do that right. if you're integrated enough so who or diversified have the enough, ability to do that who doesn't have the ability? Who doesn't to do have the ability right now to start direct marketing on their farm? The person that doesn't say yes. Well, oh. Okay, okay, maybe. But I'm saying like, if you have the internet, you have the ability, right? But can not I, only that. I mean, like, you can go to a farmer's market, right? Like, you could start in that system. I just don't think it'll scale as fast, right? But you could start building a brand around your enterprise. That's corn and soybeans. Corn and soybeans. Well, I mean, you would have to have something to figure, market, figure you know? something out there. But maybe you could. I don't know. Can you sell corn and soybeans directly? I, like I don't think. That, I think the market will respond negatively. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, it's worth a shot. Yeah, but you, you know, you let, let's just say flour. Flour is yeah. not hard to make. You could start milling non-GMO corn flour, and putting it into bags and getting a stamp from some government agency that wants, you know, $100 a year. Right. And and go to a farmer's market and start selling it and building a brand around that. Right. You know what I mean? Annie's flour, and here it is, non-JMO. Well, sustainably you, sourced. Or you make up. whiskey and bourbon like old Russell does. That's what I'm saying. And then you start you start with one, and then you it builds. It builds right? on it builds itself, yeah. So... Anyways, I huh. think these labels are good, but I don't think we need to just start labeling things to label things. Yeah. I think they need to be driven by the right forces. Right. And that's the consumer. Yeah. It's not, you know, if it comes from a top down from the brands, yeah. then I think we can run into all kinds of problems. But if the farmers and the consumers are ultimately driving these forces, then I think the end result the there end result is good. Be good. Yeah. It's playing on the right emotion because it's all it's emotion driven Mm -hmm. emotion and building relationships with people driven right and if you've got the regulation stuff that's where the agronomics and some data and stuff comes in but already we can go direct to the consumer saying hey let's be friends and i'm doing things that you want i've got a product that you want here here's my price right so 
Yeah, interesting. So I think obviously this is a topic that we'll continue to talk on. This is going to be a sure, hope so. continuing thing in a spot where we definitely want a lot of feedback from you guys too. How do we do more of this? What are some examples? Like how can we help to facilitate this? I think too, on like what resources are out there. How can we help bring more value along yeah, these lines Definitely, and help out farmers here locally, but all through our viewing audience or listening audience all over the world. So any yeah. thought feedback, it would be awesome. So yeah. let us know. We'll keep on hammering away. Take it easy on me too. On the feedback. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe Ryan leaves us with some parting words. Yeah. Too. Ryan. Hey, yeah. I'm just glad I'm in front of the camera and not behind it in the corner. <laughs> yeah. So thanks guys for letting me uh, <laughs> sit in with you and might, might join you again sometime. Absolutely. Look forward to it next episode which is thursday and uh we're going to be kind of talking and probably continuing more of this conversation of how we do this how does a sustainably sourced label come to fruition um and yeah what's going on so stay tuned